1: Of yours.
2: The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named super agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour.
0: Well, we've moved to nicer digs. Wow. I mean, from the State Fair to uh, to the Cambria Gallery. Beautiful, beautiful place. Stunning. Yes, I see uh, Chris is here. I mean, uh, Andy's here, but no Chris.
3: Yeah, Chris is uh, again. Uh, his his uh, for those of you that have listened to Chris for almost eight years now. His son actually plays uh, college football, and uh, they're out in uh, Colorado, I believe, this weekend. Uh, playing again, and he's doing extremely well. So we're uh, excited for the movie.
0: We'll handle it without him. Oh, yeah. But we've got Pat Remick here, too. We do. So if anybody has any questions, either about real estate or about landscaping, uh, these are the guys you want to chat with. Every show, every week, we always ask you guys uh, how your week was in real estate. So since Chris isn't here, you can do double yeah. duty there.
3: Well, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of fun yesterday. I did want to thank the mid-morning show on... Uh, CCO TV, they actually had us in, and we talked about the fall market a little bit yesterday. And uh, so Jason says he's a listener, and, uh, you know, Kyle.
0: Kind of I listened. believe
3: it. Yeah, so it was uh, it was nice. So we had a chance to talk about what's happening in real estate. Um, and what we're seeing is it, they were asking, you know, is is it a, a slower fall? And, and what are we seeing? Um, and we talked a little bit about having a market that is heading back to more of a traditional market where we're seeing um, the – Uh, the tax stimulus is not there. You know, interest rates aren't, you know freshly lowered and so we're seeing natural cycles of business which in the fall you know it's going into the end of summer i should say uh, kids are getting ready to go back to school and the parents are preoccupied with that or the last vacation of summer there's all the county state fairs you know that are out there so there's a lot of distractions to keep people away from housing and that now that we're buckled back down and we've got a couple home tours that will stimulate people to want to say hey let's think about housing again and uh you know you've got the parade of homes uh happening right now and there's uh, a lot of other There's the Architects Tour that's uh, happening, uh, which we've actually brought uh, one of the best in the business uh, to come on in today, too, and talk a little bit more about that. And
0: And we're going to have a chance, some folks, to visit a couple of homes uh, that have, uh, I'm sure, other things but beautiful Cambria uh, applications. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. They're
0: allowing me to come with. How about that? (laughs) Uh, Pat Remick, what about you? Uh, is, is, is landscaping still uh, we talk about it on the show all the time, uh, that, that first impression people get when they pull up to a home for sale. Uh, what are some of the mistakes people make that they should do before they uh, put that home on the market?
4: Well, you know, it's like anything else that, uh, that first impression is the biggest one because if you don't even want to get out of the car to go inside look – and you're at a deficit already. But to be honest, people are really getting to be a lot smarter. Uh, a lot of people are calling me now because they're going to put their home in the market in the spring. And they want to make sure it looks good now so they get pictures of what things look right. like in full bloom. Not with snow. Yeah, without snow um, and everything green and lush. So I think the uh, the real estate world is helping people be prepared for sales in the spring
3: well, you bet and i think that Danny, one of the things that we've been every year it seems like the the spring season gets earlier it actually is the winter market is the hot market right now we see february march and april where we're seeing the months that are getting some of the most activity <laughs> again triggered around i think a lot of the the you have the spring preview starting in the, at that same period of time. And we, we time those previews in the fall uh, and in the spring so that we can get orders. So it's a timing thing. So people can get early, start enough, you know, or start early enough in the season to get that house built in that same season. And right now they're moving in so they can get in for the spring market. Um, but yeah, no, the, we last year um, had a warm spring. And uh, if you remember back and, and a lot of that landscape was exposed fairly early. So even though it was Brown and gray, Um, you know, it's important to plan ahead a little bit. And if you can sneak in um, some early, you know, tulips or, you know, get in some uh, structural things to add that texture to the gardens too. So it's not, maybe it's a a trellis or a, you know, an arbor or something that you can add that adds a visual element. Um, And we've talked about this before, Pat and I, where we we try to get a focus um, in the yard, like if there's a really beautiful view or if there's a, a featured garden or, you know, pond that we try to, get the eyes to go to, we, we a lot of times we'll use the uh, architectural accents to get them there. Sure.
4: And I think a lot of times, too, now is the time to fertilize and spray for weeds. So come spring, when you are putting it in the market, all oh, the weeds are dead or they're they're you know the grass is as nourished as it can be. So yeah. Or even pruning shrubs. that are overgrown. Think about what they're going to look like come spring. And then once they go dormant here in a month or so, now is the time to give it a big haircut and get it ready for next year. That's a
0: good idea. You have to spend a lot of money to people who are on a budget and they want to sell their house, like you said, next spring. Uh, what, what are the some smaller things that don't cost a fortune?
4: You know, it, it's amazing. You can do a lot for a little, as a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff you can even do yourself if you take the time and maybe research it. The main thing is like the shrubs or the trees that are overgrown, nothing looks worse than a bush that's three times its size. So if you trim back or like I said, as we get closer to the dormant season, um, uh, maybe research what a spirea should look like in its youthful shape and trim it back you can some of these bushes you can take back to uh, half its size and that would make right. the whole front that much bigger and that much more inviting
3: mm-hmm. or if you're like you know chris he's got the uh, ornate shapes in the yard of dolphins around the pool and <laughs> he went with the disney effect didn't he in his backyard uh, he,
4: chris is different that's all yeah, we can he's, say. yeah but then you've got palm trees at your place, so we yeah. can't cast a stone too far.
3: No, well, hey, at least I, uh, you know, try to stay in the norm of, uh, you know, but it's fun, though. Those, those are those little accents that when um, you have the ability to add tropical to Minnesota, whenever you can do that, and it's it still is very affordable. It's surprising. I know we talk about palm trees all the time, but you, you can buy palm trees for a couple hundred dollars to accent around a beautiful, and you may have $100,000 invested into a landscape, you know, and and to add a few tropical flowers, the hibiscus, the, you know, I think, I think you guys do a great job, and they well, that's what they do for me every year. They come out, and they'll take a look at that and add that. So you don't stuff.
0: bring the palm trees in the house then for the winter?
3: For those that care about palm trees, yes. We, pr- <laughs> we protect and save every palm tree we've ever planted. Um, and, and they're little. They're, these are cute little ones. You put them up in the pot, and they look like they're six feet high, but they're probably only a four-footer, mm-hmm. but uh, still a real cute
4: accent. Yep. Is
0: there a trend in landscaping now that people uh, you find people are requesting you guys do this well, work or that work?
4: It's really funny you ask that because uh, – Yesterday I got a call uh, asking what we should, you know, what are the big trends right now. And it's the funny thing is, is that, you know, five, six, seven years ago, sport court for the youth was very, maybe mm-hmm. even ten years ago. Now the big push, and it's really happened in the last couple of years, is adult activities. Huge right now is the bocce ball courts. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Everybody's asking for that. Or putting greens. Mm-hmm. Or things that you can do um, for outdoor activity during the uh, sure. months of summer we have but it's it's you're living your it's like taking your indoor party outside but they're making big events of it they're putting up high voltage lighting uh bug spray and things like that but bocce ball and all these different unique sports uh roly-boly things like that it's crazy what Uh, what about outdoor kitchens yeah well that ties into the whole activity with being outside and doing your activity uh bars are big uh brick ovens for cooking pizzas are, are huge but yeah. the whole barb with, uh, with working faucets and drains and all that stuff, it's just part- taking your part of the inside and putting it outside. Hmm.
3: Yeah, that uh, extending the inside to the outside is interesting. And we've, we've talked about this, too. And then even into the evening hours, a lot of us have jobs, and so we don't get home until there's mm-hmm. an hour and a half of sunset or even less now that we're moving into the fall. And having some of that accented with landscape lighting, you've talked about that before, too, so that those hours get extended even into the evenings is, is a real treat.
4: And just the ambiance of the low voltage lighting it really helps set the, the correct setting for for a nice party. And, and
3: we're Denny, we're not talking about the runway lights up the side of the drive where <laughs> you buy at the hardware mm-hmm. store. We're talking about actually accenting the trees, yep. having downlights from the trees shooting down 20 feet, you know, highlighting a patio, mm-hmm. um, you know, hitting those flower beds yep. with some creative little copper downlights. Yep. Up
0: lights you know, are these too. These all hardwired that. then? Yeah, low are.
4: voltage. Many times, so okay. you're not talking big costs with the electrical you know bills. Sure. Uh, low voltage lighting, the LED lights, and it's just really so. You know, when you're getting people outside and you're walking down a path at night, that you can have it illuminated so you can see where you're going, but it just creates such nice ambiance.
3: It's unbelievable. You feel like you're at a resort. You're sitting around your campfire and you have the you know the different trees that are illuminated. You've got the flowers lit up, and you feel like you're on vacation mm-hmm. in your own house. And it's what a lot of people do is they run out of money at the very end, of course. It's natural. You, you spend all the money on the big budget on the landscaping. Maybe you buy the bigger trees, the the little fancier, bigger patio. And then they say, ah, oh, let's hold back on the landscape lighting. And I think that that's one of those features that, for me, um, I would budget that on the front end because that will allow you to really enjoy that night as well as the day. Mm-hmm
0: so tell you what let's take a break like we normally do at this time welcome uh, folks to ask questions here in the cambria gallery or on the phone 651-989-9226 and we'll connect you to the guys here in the show 651-989-9226 this is the real estate show here on A three O W C C O, we'll be right back.
3: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play It at Play
0: It. Welcome back to this portion of the real estate show here on A three O W C C O. If we sound a little different, we are broadcasting this hour right downstairs from the studio in the Cambria Gallery. Wow. What do you think, Andy? It's kind of a nice digs here, isn't it? I could live here. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah. And we have a kitchen set up. You know, we'll have... There's
3: always food. There's always drinks. There's yeah. nice people. Everybody's <laughs> it's, pretty.
0: That's <laughs> true. Well, we have, uh, besides Pat Remick uh, sitting next to you, we have uh, a special guest, Mark Sloot. Let's yeah. def- find out who uh, Mark is. And Mark is with uh, Sala Architects, right?
1: Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we, we and
0: brought a special... Mark
3: in. Well, the reason why I brought Mark in today, I should maybe give a little more of an intro instead of just throwing you into the yeah. microphone. Um, we have the the Homes by Architects Tour today, and the reason why we brought Mark in is is he actually has a, if you can under, believe this, a net zero house that he has. Now what does that mean? Well, and let's, that's why we brought Mark here to talk about that, because this is more than just making the house uh, beautiful and functional. Um, they they're actually have the capability now with your architects to sit down and make a house a net zero home, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit today.
1: Yeah, Great. What, is zero. That, what does that mean? Yeah, net zero means that the house will produce at least as much energy on an annual basis as it consumes. And that's all in. So heating, cooling, lights, and appliances, all in. Landscape lights? Yep, landscape lights. But like he was saying, you know, not with all the low voltage. We're not, uh, it's not a big ticket item, so.
3: I'm actually surprised <laughs> they haven't. I mean, and in, in not to get on the subject of landscape lighting, but using that low voltage, the efficiencies, and and now they're actually making them even more efficient that I think in uh, overseas in a few, uh, you know, particular circumstances, they use low voltage inside the houses as much as they do outside. And uh, it's a real interesting application because then it's not dangerous. It's not high voltage. It doesn't have the same uh, crazy energy running through your walls. But uh, that's a whole other subject. But yeah. so, Mark, tell us a little bit about this house. You guys are, are number 12 in the uh, in the tour. And, um this is a house that was retrofitted, correct?
1: That's right. So that's very unique about this house is that it's a 1907 Victorian. So when you think of net zero energy, uh, most people don't think of 1907 oh, I Victorians. Guess. And uh, so this is it's, a, it's an extensive uh, retrofit um, that uh, uh, we... Did a lot of things to also just make the house more functional for because it's a, a couple that wanted to retire. Loves yeah. Victorian houses, um, and they wanted to um, ha, have us help them do their retirement home and and make it net zero. And they're really passionate about the environment and and uh, so sure. uh, really making the house holistically um, uh, green and energy efficient.
3: Now we're talking about a major a major project, aren't we? I mean, when you're retrofitting an existing house of that age, are we talking about literally taking the plaster off the wall? And going back to the original framework and starting from there, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, on this one we did. There was uh, we saved a little bit of the plaster. We had hoped to save a little bit more of it, but when we really got into it, and and uh, we needed to take uh, most of it off, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so it's it's down to the studs, um, but we. Uh, we're able to preserve a lot of um, the existing woodwork, mm-hmm. and so actually took it off, refurbished it, put it back on again. So there's a lot of beauty and character that's in you know that existing uh, woodwork that uh, it's uh, expensive and hard to get. Um, you know you can certainly do it new as well. Um, mm-hmm. We had to add in some new. Uh, But uh, we matched uh, some of the original.
3: Well, and I've got a little cheat sheet here, Denny, so I can see the floor plan. And it looks like you guys were actually moving around some of the walls. Because back, you know, in 1907, you know, when Chris was starting in real estate, these houses (laughs) were were not quite the same functional use that they have today, we, we we live differently today. And so, well, you guys...
0: small rooms too, right? Yeah, in the old absolutely. Homes. And
3: so, how did you how did you tackle that part of it, making it kind of a, or did, or did you not? Did you preserve the original character, or did you update that?
1: No, we definitely updated that. Yeah, I mean, the house had a tiny little kitchen that was off in a corner. Um, there was a narrow, steep stairway that was, you know, segmenting the house. So that is one of the uh, challenges of Victor- you know, older homes, Victorian homes, is that they're so segmented. But so we we really did uh, sort of a creative blend where we. We opened it up, um, so you do get a, a, a sense of openness and long views mm-hmm. and um, but yet at the same time, uh, through you know um, what we do with the ceilings and and some of the, the opening of the walls we're able to still have that sense of the the original as well with uh, with some of the segmentation and the and the definition of space and volume. So we didn't uh, you know diverge from that that character. Um, mm-hmm. We doubled the kitchen size, opened it up so that you know there's free circulation around the whole main level now. Mm-hmm. Opened the stair up so. Um, I heard the amazing uh,
3: the best part of that kitchen is the countertops in
1: there. Yeah, they're really fabulous <laughs> <afraid-less> countertops. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I like that segue. It worked really well. Oh,
1: smooth, right? Yeah, yeah really right. smooth. That's made. <laughs> How long did this project take? Uh, from the planning to completion uh, was um, uh, between two and three years. We've got about a year in design and then about a year in construction and, and then lingering on. They moved in uh, almost a year ago, and, but there's been some, you know, cleaning up some little things and, and little details since then.
3: Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, once you open up those walls and you move a bathroom from one part of the house to the other and now you have to support that, yeah. and now you're adding beams or you're adding different structural elements yeah. that you didn't have to deal with before, that, and that's part of that lengthy process, I would assume, is once you open the house up and then you start moving things around, um, what, how much of the project is the structural? Is it, is it a big portion of it or is it fairly minor?
1: You know, it's uh, um, it's not insignificant, for sure. I mean, we definitely had to put some steel in. We had to, you know, slide some beams in because the, the structural requirements back in 1907 weren't what they are today. And so, you know, you could see the house was, you know, kind of uh, um, sagging a little bit in certain places. So we had to, you know, shore those things up. Um, I would say, you know, on a, on a percentage-wise, maybe it's, you know, it's 20% or something like okay. that. But it's... Um, you know it 's primarily uh, the and and uh, yeah
3: the fun stuff yeah that every here yeah. is interested in learning about
1: so yeah. well let 's do
0: our usual bottom of the hour break and welcome uh, questions from our audience here, or certainly on the phone as well uh, upstairs. Never had the chance to say that before <laughs> we 'll get get the calls shipped in from upstairs uh, let 's take this break, be right back. I can tell you a last report of temperature was seventy two degrees we 're going for eighty today chance of showers. We'll talk weather coming up in a moment here on 830-WCCO. And good morning again. Welcome back to this portion of our Real Estate Show. We're broadcasting this time from uh, the Cambria Gallery, beautiful Cambria Gallery right in the corner of uh, 7th Street, 2nd Avenue. This is the CBS building, but this is Obviously the prettiest part of it. Yeah, no doubt right Andy.
3: Well, I think if you're ever thinking about uh, doing anything with your kitchen your bathroom or anything that oh, would, Yeah, uh, you, you
0: got to check this place out. It's absolutely stunning Well, let's Pat Remick you. is here with uh, with you along with uh, Mark Slute. We're talking if you just join us uh, Let's catch up a little bit about uh, who you're talking with.
3: Yeah, so mark is in here today uh, helping us uh, get a uh, Promote the actual homes uh, by architects tour and he has a, a house that's a net zero home that's actually in the tour, number 12, and sure. uh, we were just getting some uh, questions from the crowd here, too, during the break, and we, um, we're we gonna dive back into it um, a little bit with, w- one of our questions was, what does it cost to have your home retrofitted to net
1: zero? Right. Always a million dollar it, always question, right? a great right? question, right, yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, of course, it depends, right? What's the size of your house? What are, you know? How efficient is your house to begin with? Right. I mean, that's a, that's a big part. I mean, is your house in 1907? <laughs> or is your house built, you know, in, in the 90s? And so, um, you know, on this house, uh, you know, it's, that's a, it's a total retrofit. Um, and uh, you had huge amount of insulation we added to the outside, and the solar panels, and the geothermal system, all that. To, you know, those are the three big legs of the stool to sure. to get to to net zero. Um, on this house, we're somewhere close to probably three hundred dollars a square foot, between two hundred and fifty and three hundred a square foot mm-hmm. on the whole retrofit. That's and again, that's you know, that's remodeling the house, doing spaces and sure. everything. If someone's just interested in you know, improving the energy efficiency of their house. You know, now you're looking at you know, okay, not are you remodeling the whole house? Are you just right. do an energy efficiency piece? You know, you can uh, there's you can um, uh, insulate really well now with uh, you know put on some exterior insulation does an, an amazing uh, uh, amount of um, air sealing and improving energy efficiency. Put on the solar panels. You know, you can uh, you can get a solar system. Uh, it depends on how many panels you want to put on, but True. you know um, you can you can get a system for you know. 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 depends on your house. Well,
3: and I think another co- great concept here is that you your money ahead even with an 80/20. You don't have to be a net zero. I mean, you could have right. 20% more efficiency or even 50% yeah. and and that can also be part of the design. So, one of the questions was if we started and did room by room in the house, what is the best room to start with um, or how would I start a project if I didn't have the full, you know, amount up front that I wanted to spend? Sure. Where would you start?
1: And and is the question for energy efficiency or for? I I think it'd be a combination of both. I
3: think that if we were going to renovate a kitchen and we wanted to make it, you know, so if we if we did the house in phases, let's say you, you came out, you did all the design work, so we had the end. Goal in mind, we had the plans ready to go, and we broke the project into four quadrants or whatever. And we're obviously you'd have to start with some of the, the, the structural stuff if they got on a bigger project. So there might be a little bit bigger of an investment on the front for the very first phase. But maybe you start main floor, do you go upstairs, do you start kitchen, bathrooms, where do you start?
1: Yeah, first thing I'm going to say is the first thing you want to do is you actually want to do an energy audit. You want to you want to get an energy rater in there and test the house. How leaky is it? So they're going to do air leakage test in the house. They're going to do some inspections with infrared camera, and which is kind of almost acts like an X ray of the walls, where you might have uh, gaps in your insulation. So the first thing you want to do is you want to work on uh, uh, reducing your consumption. So it's actually um, not a room by room kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, now that audit might. Reveal that a particular room is particularly leaky. Well, that would be the room you'd want to start with. That's a so idea. it isn't necessarily the kitchen or the you know whatever room. It's it's the room that's the most leaky, and that's and that's how you find out.
3: We we also had a question for Pat Remick here with uh, Greenside. I always want to say Greenside up because that's when I was a landscaper. These always say that to us. Greenside up, rolling side of course. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, coming back to we had a, a new construction question. Someone asked us. If you're building a new house and you have a normal lot, a normal city lot under, you know, half acre, what should they budget for landscaping or what's an industry norm for the landscape investment on a house of that size?
4: Well, you know a lot of times you have to look at uh, is there irrigation involved, or is there, is there sod in place already, but you know, I would say 5 grand is probably a pretty good common uh, thread because you're going to put 2 or 3 grand worth of irrigation in and then if just some minor landscaping, you know, you could be in 5-6 you know, grand.
3: So but, new construction though a naked lot no nope, mm-hmm. just it's dirt and you're pulling sure. up with the trucks and we mm-hmm. need irrigation sod trees shrubs a gurgling rock in the front you know whatever just to make it really look sharp. Sure. What uh, is there is there a magic number? Do we use a percentage of the value of the home? Should we use or is not
4: really? It, I think a lot of times it depends. Do they have dogs? Uh, do they have kids? All that stuff plays in it because do we have to put sod down? Because sod's mm-hmm. instant green, uh, a lot more expensive than what seed would be. But ultimately, do you want irrigation? It's all personal needs, you know, and what they want to see, a lot of people just put shrubs and plants around the front of the house and they're not worried about the back. Right. For now, but
3: well, and you know, I think you'll see Johnny pickup truck pull up and say, "I can do it for eighty-five hundred bucks," you know, mm-hmm. and that that you're getting plants that are from the parking lot down the street that are on clearance. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're not getting the you're getting whoever's available that week. And right now, everybody's busy. That's decent. So if you got somebody that's available right now, that's a problem. So a guy like Pat's going to come out, make a design, kind of like we were just talking about the net-zero home. I think we could have a bigger plan. Maybe we start with getting everything green, and then maybe we come back and we can retrofit. And and it may, I mean, what would you say on a project like that? How, much, how many of your customers probably do it that way, where they do things in phases?
4: Um, I would say the bulk with new construction, especially first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. Then, you know, they're trying to get in under budget or trying to do some sweat equity and, and get in and at least meet the minimum requirements, which is two trees and a handful of bushes. But if you get into the second home or maybe their, their final home, uh, then they want to go all out. Because a lot of times you've got to remember if you close off the front to, with all landscaping, how do you get to the back? Right. So, you don't want to tear out everything you just put in so you can do your backyard next year. Right. So, you got to think it through a little bit and have a plan for five years or whatever the number is that you want to be in that home.
3: So, I, and I like numbers. So, I would say, you know, in my head, I see a lot of people that are buying a $400,000 house investing between. Two and a half and five percent of the value of the home, so they're between you know ten to twenty thousand dollars probably mm-hmm. on the landscape of that house to make it look really nice. Yep, um, you know, and that's a You know, Pat always likes to not talk numbers, but
4: well, <laughs> only because everybody has a different idea of what they really want and what their perception is. But to be honest, I could put a patio, uh, a paper patio in the backyard before it's sodded for a fraction of the cost of once it's already done, because now we can drive right in there with our trucks and get the job done. Versus you know once the sod is down all landscape done to come back to now We either got to do it by by hand or come in with specialty equipment to get to, to work performed. So mm-hmm. if you can plan for it ahead, you know on a four hundred five hundred thousand-dollar house You could spend 20 grand you'd be miles ahead down the road to, to do it wisely with the back and then the front together
0: That's a good strategy. I want to go back to mark for a minute Especially for those who would be joined us a little bit late now How old was that original house that you've done such
1: a great job on? Yeah, the original house was built in 1907 And what heating plant was in it at the time? Yeah, at that time, it actually surprisingly was uh, an air system. It was not one of these hydronic systems. And actually, I was really surprised when I walked into that house. that I thought for sure you were going to say gas, hot water, radiators, the whole thing. Right, yeah, no. So it had, I think at that time, it was probably kind of a gravity feed system, so it didn't have an extensive ducting system, but it it was an air system. And then what what did you guys do to change that? Yeah, so we uh, stuck with a, a forest air system, but it's a geothermal system. So we've got uh, a ground source heat pump. We have got wells in the backyard, and uh, and then you know just a, it'll look like a normal mechanical system. But uh, yeah, we've talked once in a while on on, on the show about
0: geothermal. Mm-hmm. But what can you describe? Can you explain what that process is exactly?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the um, essentially you've got wells in the backyard, and so the ground is your is your source of heat, and uh, it's an all electric system. So essentially, it it circulates. Uh, Water out through the pipes that are in the ground and since the ground uh, Maintains a a very constant temperature throughout the year winter or summer Then that water will either be heated or cooled by the ground so in the winter time you're pulling heat from the ground and then you're uh, Releasing that heat in the house in the summertime you're pulling heat from the house and Releasing it into the ground and so you don't have an air conditioning unit sitting above the ground. It's quiet yeah, it's pretty nice. And a small, tight lot it's I was gonna, really that's nice. That's
3: what my next question was going to be. So on a yeah. city lot, you know, you're yep. in south Minneapolis. Can you perform this kind of a product there? Or?
1: Exactly, yeah. So this this house is a great example of that. The lot is only about 50 feet wide mm-hmm. and uh, a little over 100 feet long. And uh, in the backyard, there's four wells. And uh, that's all we need to heat and cool this house.
0: It's crazy. That is really amazing. And no A.C., well the, the geothermal
1: does the IC. It does that. But it does there's the no cooling. Actual, so a separate it's, plant for that. Right. So wow. it's it's an integrated system that does both the heating and the cooling. Wow. You see a lot of that
0: in the construction these days or maybe existing homes that you guys sell?
3: I wish I could say I do. Um, A lot of times what you see is the the builders, um, they'll just say, hey, what what is the best value and life expectancy of an appliance? Like you'll see even like water heaters. They'll say, well, I want a gas water heater. And you'll have a builder say, well, we have electric water heaters because they're lower cost up front. They last longer than the gas. And when you retrofit, it's cheaper to down the road retrofit it. Is that the best solution? Probably not. But it's it's the solution that unfortunately when people come in the door and say, Well, the guy down the street's ten thousand cheaper than you guys are, so we're gonna go with them. Builders have to make decisions based on price a lot of times, unfortunately, compared to making the right decision for the consumer because the budget overrides all of the usually the right decisions.
0: All right, we have to take our normal break at this time, but we'll be back with more of the Real Estate Show from the live from the Cambria Gallery here on 830 WCCO. Stay with us.
3: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment,
4: and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back
0: to the Cambria Gallery. This is where we're uh, presenting our real estate show. Uh, Special day. we've got some special guests Besides Andy Prasky, Whoa. Here, who's really the host, he's not a guest, but he's got a couple of guests uh, with with him. That yes. Remick. And Mark, Mark and I were talking, uh, Andy, about uh, renovation versus people saying, I don't know if I want to spend the time and money on that. Let's just tear this place down and rebuild. Is right. that is that pretty common, Mark? People saying that:
1: yeah it is really common and and it's, uh, and it's a fair consideration it's something that you want you definitely want to consider on a project if it's right to right to remodel or to build new, but I think that um, a lot more homes are torn down than need to be Oh yeah yeah and it's you know and a lot of it is um, maybe lack of uh, you know, creative ideas of, of how you can uh, preserve and enhance and, and remodel what's there and, and uh, um, to you know to reenvision it. To adaptive reuse. And
3: it's hard. The charm and character that's there that we all are attracted to in that era of home, um, it, it's hard to replace that. You know, I mean, you can, obviously, really but is. you have to spend a yeah. significant amount of money to replace the, just, you know, when you walk into a house and they have the Wayne's, you know, coat paneling around a right, right. curved staircase and the rounded, you know, uh, eight foot at the sill plate to the top of the walls and those are things that are, are craftsmanship that are that uh, craftsmen today have to say you 're going to do what and right, right. and probably you know reference a book because they don 't have to do that very frequently in today 's market so um, what I was curious about was you know that age of home, a lot of those houses. Are potentially historically registered, or how do we deal with if we have a home that's actually registered? Like, let's say we're on Summit Avenue. Um, I know I just helped a client uh, do this project, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of really fun restrictions that uh, right. you get to deal
1: with. Yeah, yeah so that's a, you know, there's a there's a historic preservation commission that, that would evaluate those things, and so um, yeah, so they're looking at uh, you know preserving some of that, that history and character of the neighborhood, and um, you know, so those get evaluated through through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah. So they, so that could add. I mean, when you're doing um, a project like that, what we're talking about is they, they don't just let you switch out the windows for the newest, you know, Anderson window or Pella, um, Marvin. They, they actually make you specifically follow guidelines, and there's a lot of rules. They want the glass to look the same. They want mm-hmm. you know, and I, I only that's fresh in my memory with a, like I said, a client that just went through this and yeah. probably spent an extra fifty thousand um, dollars, but. The house now blends well into the neighborhood with the new energy efficiency, you know, uh, or energy efficient yeah, products yeah. And, and still has the charm of, of 1900, you know, so.
1: Yeah. And they, you know, so usually it's, it's mostly concerned about the exterior and those. You can do yeah. a lot of what you want on in the interior, but they're concerned about, you know, what that exterior is. And, you know, we had some of that go on in this one too. We had to, um, we actually, because the, and this plays into the remodel as well, one of the reasons why we did remodel this was because it was positioned on the lot close to um, mm-hmm. the you know, one property line, so there was a, a bigger yard on the one side. Uh, so to add on the insulation, we had to get a variance from mm-hmm. the city of Minneapolis. Wow. And, Um, And frankly the city was a little concerned about we talked about doing this net zero and thick walls and They're like what's that gonna look like and and uh, so we convinced them that you know We're gonna really make this thing beautiful. It's gonna it's gonna you're not even gonna know that it's it's net zero It's gonna fit in it's gonna be true to its to its character And and we did that but so I want to say kudos to the city of Minneapolis for trusting that you know we'd pull this off and and uh, (laughs) um, I'm sure your next project will very smoothly now. Yeah, right, right Now, one other thing, though, just with the remodel, yeah. is that uh, we talk about craftsmanship yes. and that remodel really does help with that, right? That uh, there's a shift that I think this is an under uh, sort of valued part of remodel is that you're shifting more money from materials to people. And so, you know, there's a socioeconomic benefit here that, uh, you know, we're, we just came out of a recession, right? And we're thinking about how are we, you know, employing people, so on and so on. You know, remodeling does help with that, and it helps maintain the skilled um, workforce that, you know, so when you want to do something, you've actually got some, you know, people that can pull it off and not be astronomically expensive because they're the only one in the Twin Cities.
3: We're all huge fans of that, supporting the local economy. So one thing that you don't want to have on your historical registry is your landscaping.
4: Right, Pat? <laughs> that's, that's very true. But, you know, I'll, I'll even lend it back to what you were saying about the uh, qualified landscaping. You're always going to find somebody cheaper. But find somebody who's been in business for 20, 30, 40 years right. that knows what they're doing It's going to stand behind your product. You know, these people that pull up with uh, you know, they do things on, uh, on the weekends and then they wonder why the people go, well, they're half the price. Well, right. you're getting half the value because right. they may not know what they're doing. So well, please you know, research it.
3: it. Research it, but get get a referral. I mean, and I'm a referral because I like for a guy like Pat, and I, I always brag about him because he's one of my favorite guys anyway. But, you know, when I come out in the spring and I've had work done in the fall, and let's say something doesn't look very healthy, and this guy's already got his crews out there replacing those shrubs, that's the kind of contractor I need. You know, keeps me looking good and says, hey, Andy, we popped out six shrubs. They didn't make it. We replaced them. Um, should be looking good for the spring here for your uh, bonfires and waterfall party." Yeah, but part, but a know.
4: lot of times there's a reason why those plants didn't make it. Just to put another one in isn't going to solve the purpose. Maybe they they're planted too deep or not enough water. you got to research those things, and having the experience to know what to look for pays, pays dividends.
3: Don't you make more money if you just keep replacing the same shredding? Oh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Every spring? Here's your bill. Here's your bill. Yeah. No, I, I say that in a proactive sense that, you know, I'm sure just like all of us up here on stage take our professions very seriously. Um, these guys are some of the best in the business, and that's why they're here today on the show. So, um, you know, after the show's over, if they do have questions, feel free to hit us on uh, the uh, the Facebook um, page we have set up for the show um, or hit the website here at CCO. I think they've got real estate show. um at the end of the dot-com and you can uh, find us there and we'll get you guys their information
0: you know another thing uh, what pat was talking about as far as experience uh, i'm sure you've run into people or people customers who are new customers who used the cheaper end and somebody said oh i've got a, a landscape designer who knows all about plants and they put all these plants in that should have never been planted there not only because of the soil But the plants themselves
4: I bet you see even a lot of times will somebody will say well We're going to go somebody else on the retaining walls because they're so much cheaper Then they said Can you come out and inspect to make sure they're doing it right? (laughs) Well for one I'm not going to tell another contractor how to do it But what happens many times we go back a year or two later and correct it because the grade wasn't set or the elevation wasn't right So I know it costs more money initially, but what happens down the road will pay dividends drainage
3: (laughs) cost versus price we talk about this all the time you know it's same thing with looking at houses you know we, we this is a very common conversation you pay the price is a little higher with new construction for example when you're not talking about your awesome stuff you guys are doing but i mean just new construction <laughs> right, right. up to 450 let's say and everything's shiny brand new under warranty versus buying a house in the same price range you may get a little more house in the existing market but now you're getting half life on the furnace or they you know the roof is almost at a point of where you know you're you're praying for a hailstorm so there's you're not getting the full life and the full warranties out of those products and so um, i think everyone on the stage here can can uh, today can attest to that that it's it's Making an investment into something, understanding what you're investing into, I think, is the key thing. Would you guys not
1: agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to have the knowledge and, uh, you know, make informed decisions, and that's what, you know, I think, you know, the professionals are there to help you do as well, is to, you know, help you make an informed decision.
4: Yeah,
0: and
1: then you've got to have somebody that you can
4: fall back on two years from now, if something goes wrong, that they'll still be in business.
0: We're kind of coming to the end of the road here for our show, but the day is still young, and we're going to be heading out looking at some uh, some beautiful places. Here in just a, a matter of minutes, maybe we could find out how to get in touch with uh, you, Andy, and your guests.
3: Well, you guys know me. I'm uh, prasky.com, so p-r-a-s-k-y.com. Pat Remick, how do we get hold of you?
4: Just uh, greensideinc.com or call our office 952-890-5303. All right.
1: Uh, we're Sala Architects, so website uh, www.salaarc.com and uh, phone number 612-379-3037. Excellent.
0: We're just, uh, well, you can hear that departing departing music. (laughs) Yeah, they're pulling the mics away, Denny. Yeah, they are. We're getting the hook. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here. And as I said, we're going to be off to look at some beautiful home sites. So I hope you uh, will uh, stay tuned for Adara. And then next week we'll be back in studio. We will. You'll be with Susie Jones. I'll be on vacation. See you then.